Hello, and welcome to the Range Project Podcast. My name is Chris McGrory, and I'm currently a senior on the baseball team at Harvard, where I study psychology and economics. And in these conversations, I'm trying to learn from those around me. I want to get the tips, the tactics, and the routines my guests use, plus the mental frameworks they have so you and I can apply them in our own lives. In this one, I sat down with Ian McLannan. Ian graduated from Harvard, albeit virtually, in the spring of 2020 with a degree in social studies and is now working in marketing at a cool food tech startup called Choco in Berlin, Germany. And on top of that full-time job, Ian is a video creator on YouTube where he posts really thoughtful and polished tutorials some that I've utilized include his Notion page tour and Google Sheets personal finance rundown. And also, he posts life reflections and video essays on everything from books to movies to ads. So, why did I want to chat with Ian? Most simply, it's because he blends a lot of the attributes I admire. He cares about personal well-being and productivity. He's unafraid to take the untraditional path. He invests in a creative pursuit that is both fun and serious. And as you'll quickly tell, Ian has a lot of positive energy that you can't help but feed off of. And not unlike other conversations, in this one I get selfish and ask questions to help myself out. So. At its core, this conversation is advice from someone a year post-grad to someone just about to reach that milestone and transition into the real world for himself. We cover how he thinks about big projects and ideas, the importance of a passion outside of work, ritualizing physical space and other daily, weekly, and monthly routines other real-world pro tips, and I especially liked his farmer's market and meal prep weekend hack, and of course, book recs, and a whole lot more. So, please enjoy this one with Ian McClannan. Ian, how you doing, my man? I'm well, I'm well. Thanks, Thanks for having me here. I'm super pumped to finally be able to connect with you. You were recommended by episode number 16, our friend Molly Levins. And I think it would be fun to start. She said in recommending you for the podcast, she said, quote, he is full of all sorts of ideas and is just a fun, goofy, iconic guy. He would be a good podcast guest, but also someone to chat with more generally about life, self-improvement, storytelling, etc. So that's a pretty high praise from Molly, but wow, I'm, I'm yeah. stoked to uh, try and maybe uh, dive into a few of those. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, I, I think I, uh, 
That's that's very high high praise from Molly, my, my friend Molly. There, um, she's she's one of the most iconic ones out there. Um, also, like I, I'm just sorry about the the state of your your podcast channel that you you first had John Fish and Molly, and now I'm coming after no. because I I, it, I don't know what that says. You're on you're on a down wrong, down spiral. Wrong scope. answer. Wrong answer. So, but no, we can um, no. Let's crush it and have fun with it. I think maybe just to set the scene, you are calling from Berlin, Germany. Do I have that right? Uh, yeah, that's right. And you are working a, in a marketing role. And I saw you, I was doing my research and I was like, ooh, he works at Stealth Startup. Ooh, on your LinkedIn. I was like, ooh, that's a pretty cool name. And then I clicked and it's like, no, Chris, that's just a term people use for startups that don't want to disclose what they're working on. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So uh, yeah, so everyone with that, that uh, stealth startup title is sort of in a stage of the company where it's, it's early enough that there are sort of rules around the employees talking about uh, where they work and, and that sort of thing. And, and for me, I can actually give you a bit more. I can talk sort of generally about what we're up to. I can tell you what's happening. Um, I'm working for this company called Choco, um, which is a basically a, uh, a technology, um, an app that restaurants use to order food from their food suppliers. Um, and the whole idea around it is that um, to digitize the, the food supply chain and ultimately make um, it a more sustainable food supply chain. And so I'm working on the marketing, um, product marketing uh, specifically uh, at this startup, which is based here in Berlin, Germany. Very cool. Yeah. So thank you for giving that background. And yeah, I felt like a fool when I was like, oh, that's a cool name for a company. And then it wasn't a company. But I think I'd love to start with like the first piece of content I watched of yours when I was researching you on your YouTube channel, Goodbye Harvard, which is an awesome piece and I'll link it in the show notes, but it starts with a shot of your dorm room wall absolutely littered with these, these note cards, these index cards, and your friends are taking them down and it looks like in what was a probably a sad week for a senior kicked off of campus due to COVID, but it seems like you guys were having a lot of fun, but also I was thinking, this is really odd. Like your wall littered with these note cards. So can you help me understand like what the heck was on those cards? Yeah. Yeah. So um, basically I, and, and I still do it today. It's like one of my favorite, um, like one of my favorite things uh, to make my space uh, feel like my own, like whether, whether it's at, at college in my dorm room or now here in, here in Berlin, like, like basically um, the note cards, uh, they are like a lot of the memories and, and that's, where it, that's where it started. I, I wanted to remember different feelings that I was having about uh, like nights with friends, about, um, you know, feelings about different, like uh, everything on campus life um, I wanted to remember. And so I kept these uh, note cards, these, these index cards in my back pocket. And then I, I made a an effort to to just write down what I was feeling when I felt sort of a particularly strong emotion. So whether it was like, you know, like whether I was stressed about something or whether I was like super happy and appreciative about something or whether I was just like, like, so uh, like infatuated and into someone like, like romantically, like, like I, I used these note cards as a way to sort of 
um, capture those moments where I felt like my emotions were overflowing a bit. And it, it's really fun now as I, I look back to, to go through all these moments of what uh, the highs and lows of that senior year. Um, and looking back, like, like that final um, that final week is one where I, I took many note cards and, and it, it, it really, um, it felt like uh, I wanted to do more with it. And, and that's really what sort of led me to this, this goodbye Harvard project um, as well as that I had these, these note cards and these sort of things to build, these memories to build off of, um, which then I, I sort of tied the, uh, the footage from my time uh, with those, those memories and those, and those feelings. Um, and so that, that's what that piece really was for me. And the note cards are really just um, a part of experimenting around uh, reflection techniques, which uh, you know many people are using uh, notebooks and journals. Uh, that that's obviously or that's obviously uh, everyone does it for a reason. Like I, I love doing that too, and I have a notebook that I still keep with me. Um, but I, I just found that this putting everything up on my wall it, it, it gave it a different sort of uh, continued presence in my life, and and I really like uh, doing it uh, for that reason that I can continue to be reminded and uh, keep those memories as a part of what I'm uh, currently doing. So are you walking around with index cards in your back pocket, just ready ready to, to rip out and write down how you're feeling? Or is that not exactly what it looks like? Uh, so so th that's what it did look like when I was on campus. Um, but now, so now I've actually, I've elevated the game to, yes. to, uh, to big, to, to huge pieces of paper that are no bigger than, than note cards. Yep. Um, so, so it's sort of funny. I have like, uh, uh, you know, we're doing, we're on Zoom right now. And so you can see my, in my background, I, I have like the, some of those like Polaroids that are up right. there. If, if I were to turn it around, you would see all the note cards on this wall. But I'm just showing you right now, like there's oh, a huge, yeah. this, is, this is the big piece of paper that I've elevated my game to now, which is, these are like, uh, I, I didn't even know the, the dimensions, but like about the size of a computer by the size of a really big Subway sandwich. Right. And, and gosh, I measure everything by. <laughs> Love by that for you. But, uh, but yes, it's um, basically on, on this, I, I now keep my current reflections and I've, and I've, I've sort of transitioned away from uh, in the moment, like, because, I write all these these larger pieces of paper like in my in my room here. I I've transitioned away from like sort of spur of the moment type of ideas more to uh, general plotting and scheming. Uh, so so now now I, I use these. Um, I always have like sort of a blank big piece of paper on my uh, desk, and then whenever I sort of feel um, like I want to sort of organize my my thoughts about a particular idea, or I feel particularly excited about like a video I'm going to make or another part of like another part of my life, I'll take, use that sort of big blank space to, to um, sort of map out, sort of mind map my ideas uh, more so than the, the note card, which felt a little bit uh, smaller and a little bit more uh, linear just in the structure of the card itself. That's super cool. And okay. So how does this concept map on to what I found in a little bit of other research, your college project ideas and Ian, is this in any way connected to that sort of epic of your own life? Yeah. Like, so, um, yeah, it's def definitely related. And I think that those two projects were, were really, uh, they were like started around the same time and they were really sort of inspired by each other. And so, and by the two projects, I mean, the note card wall thing and also the ideas in Ian 
um, you like YouTube channel slash Facebook page slash uh, website. Like, like basically I see this as sort of an earlier evolution of my creative projects. And like, now, if you look for it, you wouldn't be able to find it. Cause I've actually taken down, um, uh, those, those videos and that website and, and those things, and now moved on to like content that I now feel, I don't know, just better suits where I am now and how I'm thinking about uh, everything. Like, but, but that idea is an Ian original idea. Um, it, it started, um, after the summer after my freshman year, uh, in Peru, um, where I was like, I was really, uh, I, I was feeling a little, uh, like creatively frustrated. Cause I was like, oh, gosh, I need like some sort of outlet, like having a, a YouTube channel or having a blog or having something would help me feel like I can really um, publish my thoughts to the world. And that was something that really mattered to me at the time. And I remember it distinctively. It was, it was in the middle of the night, um, a really, really warm night in Pucallpa, Peru, where I was like, oh my God, I have the, the mega idea. It's like, not only is this going to be like, I don't need a blog. Like I was thinking, I looking at my ideas uh, thematically. I was like, oh, I need a blog about this or a blog about this. I was like, no, I'm going to have the ideas be the blog. It's going to be the idea of all ideas. I'm going to like have this channel where just like the ideas is the, is the thing. Um, and so that was, that was really exciting to me at the time. And that's, that's the sort of realization that led me down that, yeah, that, that sort of path of creation and, and creating all those things. And now as I look back, I felt like a lot of that content wasn't very structured. It was a lot of me talking to the camera being like, being like, whoa, wouldn't this be cool if like juice, like juice tastes great, you know, but it's so expensive when you buy it at like fresh squeezed juice at the store, you know, everyone should just get juicers and like juice in your room. And that's like, that's an idea. <laughs> but as I look back, you know, like, is this, an idea that I think is really important to, to share with the world, perhaps, perhaps not, perhaps so, depending on your feelings about juice. But regardless, the the quality of the my content now, or, or the the sort of intentionality behind it, has uh, has changed, and so that's why I felt sort of it was appropriate to change the um, the channel uh, itself that I'm uh, creating all the content on. And that helps me kind of think about how, yeah, I saw this crimson piece about ideas and Ian, and it is nowhere to be found on the internet. So thank you for doing a little deep dive and explanation on that. And on the note of the note cards, do you have one that either more recently or from your senior year, especially sticks out to you or maybe like later developed from an idea or conversation and then it started out on this index card and then kind of turned into reality. Mm, yes, uh, I to I totally I totally do. Let's see what we got here. Oh yes, here we go. Now we're talking. Ah. Okay, yeah. Okay, so okay. Your question, it really sort of makes me think about like, what are the, the most uh, memorable um, cards for me? Or what are the, the cards that have, that have made the biggest sort of impact on my life? Um, and so th there's this one card that I wrote. Um, I, I actually have it here. It's on, on 930. Um, of, uh, so actually, I guess it was actually pretty early in the year. And I remember writing it. I was sitting at one of those big tables in, in Widener, the, the library, the big, the, the big, big room. And I remember I had my coffee in hand, just having come from, from Tate. And I was sitting at the table about to work on my, th work on my thesis. Um, and I just remember like 
feeling in that moment, maybe it was the caffeine already kicking in, like just feeling like this is like, like, this is great. Like, like whatever's happening right here. Like I, I feel very appreciative to be right here. And this is like a great moment for me. And this is a great feeling. And, and here's what I write on the, on the note card. I say, what does it feel like to be a student, to learn all day, hunched over computers and big books, to navigate assignments, to go to meetings and even learn how it is that people play adult. We learn to dream to be something and somebody, and that even Harvard kids are as stupid as anyone. I've learned habits and drinking games and tradition, and that I'm old enough to make decisions for myself. I love Harvard or growing up or college, or, or maybe it's all three. And so this is like, I think that one, like you sort of get in this moment, like, like you sort of get my infatuation with the or with the moment maybe that's the wrong word but my like my sort of being uh being in it and, and i think that like while i look back and say like wow this is actually a pretty cheap this is actually a pretty cheesy quote um it was it, it felt like a poetic moment for me and one that i'm I, i'm proud of um even if these words i don't think necessarily strike as very poetic themselves um and so Really, like for me, it, it's about capturing that feeling. And now I love that we can look back and I can tell you about that moment in that, you know, in my time um, where I just totally um, like was, was feeling it. And, and I love like being able to take that moment with me going forward because of this sort of note card practice. Well, thank you for sharing. And that really kind of maps on to how I think about my journaling practice and my roommate, Matt Thomas also will like journal and oh, I'll do it in the morning. He'll do it at night. And he's like, dude, how cool is it to be able to flip back and know exactly how you were feeling on this date when this was going on in your life? And you can reflect on that. You can just kind of like have this moment of, oh, that's so cool. But you could also like learn from it if you want to take that like, hey, I was feeling down, but a few weeks later, looking back with some perspective and it turned out for the better. So that's cool that you have a similar, more formalized practice and maybe a little bit more in the spur of the moment, more authentic and less kind of reflective in, in your practice. So that's, that's super cool. Thanks, man. I think also like for every, for every card that I have that feels like a sort of, um, a, a great moment to look back on or, or to reflect on and understand about, I have about five cards that are just like total rubbish. Like they're, they're like, they're just, I, I don't feel like I'm, uh, as I look back at them, I, I don't feel any sort of emotion or I don't remember the context that they are written or I, and, and so like, I think if you just hear that card, maybe you're like, whoa, this, this seems like, like, like those, mo these moments don't happen to me. And maybe would be what, how someone feels about that. But I would say that just like, like also understand that all these reflection processes are like, it feels like there's really one in like a, like a hundred, like I even said one in five earlier, but that's very optimistic. Like, like it's really more honestly like one in a hundred that I feel like, and that's the best one, right? That's like probably one in 500, right? <laughs> like, you know, like all the, all these ones, it's the, my point here is that like, it doesn't, doesn't feel like you're coming to like all these note cards are, are brilliant and um, definitely the, no, the reflection process. Uh, I'm reminded of that often when I read my reflections as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. And now I'm thinking back to that goodbye Harvard video. And on top of all the, the great memories that you share and you had, you also admit to a handful of 
quote unquote failed projects in your time in college. You had what I thought was pretty cool, like embroider, embroidered moleskin notebooks. You had this vision of a one person play in your dorm room and you had a running club in New York city called like rooftop runners. So what was that all about? And like, what was your, your vision there? And then maybe like, why didn't it work out like you envisioned? Yeah. Yeah. So rooftop runners um, really was a, I don't know, like or a, a, a project with friends or a sort of a vision based in a, a shared um, like experience with, with my friends. And so like, like Bogator and, and Sean, those are, those are the two friends that I, um, yeah, like spent a lot of time with that summer. And so we were in New York um, and we were all, uh, we wanted there to be like to create our own sort of a way of meeting uh, new, like new people and meeting fun people that we'd like uh, that we wouldn't have met uh, just through our, like uh, the people that we already knew from school, which I feel like so much of the, the New York um, like Harvard experience ends up feeling like is that you have friends from university that you just keep um, that you keep seeing throughout the whole summer. And so uh, we really wanted to uh, make something that felt uh, that felt different where we get uh, where we'd meet new people. Um, and so we wanted to do a, a running club. And I was sort of inspired by this because I was writing my thesis about uh, running and the history of long distance running and the um, these these uh, modern day groups. There, there are many of these sort of free grassroots running organizations now across big cities. Um, where there are a lot of these like 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 minded, very uh, very fun, outgoing like the type of people that that I wanted to sort of uh, capture or like not capture, but the type of experience that I wanted to create uh, with our own running group. Um, and so so the first thing we did, like we were like, all right, we need this running like we first need to get a route. And finding a route in Manhattan for a running group is like a very like oh god it's like it's a very difficult thing so we, we started in washington square park which is like in the middle like it's very in the middle of things not a great uh place to run um but then we ran we ran out to the you know out to the uh out to the water on the on the west side and then ran up and then we ended uh, in, in hell's kitchen at the apartment where i was staying where i had a roof on my apartment and that's where the rooftop runners thing tied in we were going to end every every running session with a chance for everyone to chill um, on the top of uh, on the rooftop and so that's why we called it that's why we called it rooftop runners and we sort of had we had we had visions i would say of the, the growth of the group that weren't realized <laughs> like it, like by that i mean that that no, that nobody like like not many people came in and even like even our best friends we couldn't get to come run on a sunday oh, like no. on a sunday a sunday evening so it proved actually more difficult than than we might than we might imagine and and one of our failed efforts to sort of expand the reach of the group so we so we were actually meeting new people uh, was to to invest in Facebook ads because one of like one of us was, was working at Facebook and had this stipend of like oh you can you can have like this much ad spend to use on any sort of project on any sort of project you want and so so we put out all these we put out all these ads um, like it was a like two hundred dollars worth of Facebook ads around the around the rooftop runners and we had a grand total of of one person show up from no. the, from, 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 from that, from the advertisements, um, who was a, 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 pa a passionate runner, but I, I wouldn't call in the, but he was, uh, older, not, a, not a college student. And so our ability to sort of, uh, like connect over the running was a little bit, was a little bit less just because of the age, like, cause of the age difference there. And so, 
it was a, a, I would say a failed use of $200 of Facebook ad spend. And I would say we, we could have better approached different tactics to find more people to come running with us. Um, but yeah, like I think getting people to run with you is actually more difficult than it sounds like. That's so funny. And, but on top of that, like you're talking about it, like it wasn't a waste of time and it doesn't sound like you feel like your even in your YouTube video, the notebooks, the embroidered notebooks and the one person play and like your juicer idea or whatever, like these are not wasted. This, this energy was not wasted. How do you think about in reflecting upon those maybe failed projects? How do you wrap your head around those? Like, how do you conceptualize those in your own trajectory? Yeah. Like I think like big shot projects are the ones that are most exciting to me. And like, like really, I think this ties into my, like uh, one philosophy that I, that I keep with me or like a, a mantra that I like tell myself or I keep for myself, which is basically just the, the two word phrase one day. Um, and it's a really motivating idea for me. I just think back to one day, like, like this aspirant, like this, this sort of hope or that, that your project could turn out to be an amazing one and one that you remember and, and is the one that actually changes your life. Um, you know, I, I think is a, is a beautiful idea and one that really motivates me around a lot of these things that have very low, um, at, like, you know, in some cases have very low likelihood of actually, of actually happening. Um, but I, I don't let myself sort of be uh, super uh, dis dissuaded uh, by that. Like, I, I think that like so the big ideas are some of the most fun ones to, to think about and to rally uh, your, your friends around. And so like, like really for me, um, I just like uh, one thing we've been saying in our company recently is just like, like, like no small plans. It, it, and maybe that's a very like, uh, startup be sort of mind, mindset to have, right? Like it's something, um, if you're going to be working so hard on something, the vision of it needs to be big enough that it justifies you spending all of your time thinking and putting, giving it your all. And so for me, like, like this one day really ties to my also motivation around these topics. Like I want to give my all uh, because these are, are visions that I believe in. And so this, this, this one day ideology, like it keeps tying in because with every idea, I sort of ask myself, like, is there a one day, is there a one day uh, concept that I'm really inspired by that's associated with what I'm dedicating my time to? Um, and, and, you know, in the past, like one thing I struggle with, or I think about one tension with this ideology is it's very um, idealistic and, and it's very grounded in a future self that is not a current one or not a current uh, reality. And so when I think with about mindfulness practice and, and other ones that center yourself on the immediate and the now and the value and the sort of happiness that you can derive by being caught up in a moment, I think I, I put these ideas, uh, they're at tension with one another to be both inspired by the future, um, but caught in the present, I think is the ultimate goal that you that you aim for. Um, and it's it's for me something that um, it's hard to come to terms with sometimes, you know, like sometimes you just moved to Germany and you're out here and you have no friends and you can't even order a sandwich at the store, bringing it back to the subway. And, and you're thinking to yourself, gosh, this vision of Germany was so like, was so great, wasn't it? Like, and here I am like here with no friends, you know, it's like, like, like there are realities that you come like confronted with when you're pursuing these things that don't feel like the, 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 the glamor and the, the vision that you ideally set out for yourself. Gotcha. And on the surface, 
it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you just quote unquote, like you just go for it. You have these ideas and you don't hesitate to bring these ideas into action. But then that kind of, I might hit pause on that because you do have this one day mantra. Does, I guess on that spectrum, maybe do you use the one day mantra as like a filter for the projects you do choose? Like if you can get excited about this project one day, then you like, no, okay, let's slog through the dog days. Or do I have this concept totally wrong? How do you think about it? I think, I think that part you said of a, uh, that, that filter that, that the concept one day applies to, um, is, is totally right. Like there are some, like, uh, the full phrase that that's sort of behind one day for me is that like, like, um, I actually haven't totally, I actually just usually focus on those two words, but, but the whole phrase would be something like, like, uh, one day it will be like this or, or, or one, like the, the vision of this is, is, is big enough and exciting enough that I can really get behind it. And so that's sort of a filter, like, like when you're making, uh, for me, like when I'm making YouTube videos and this type of thing, like I sort of think, try to think big scale about it. Like, is this something that I'm going to look at like in the future and be like, like, wow, like this is just like a good thing to be in the world. Like, I'm just excited. This, this video is in the world. And, and I felt this tension when I was uh, making videos on campus. Cause I was I was thinking to myself, you know, like, do I want to make like a, like a, how I got into Harvard video, or do I want to make like a, like some, something that I know that, that all these people are online searching for, and perhaps it'd be a good way to have sort of visibility on my ideas and like, oh, that would, that would maybe be a good piece of content for me to make. But as I think about that through like the one, like sort of the one day filter for me, like I go, I, I think, I think to myself, I'm like, I would rather, you know, make a course of like, make like a, a course about Walden by Thoreau. Like that, that to me is a much more um, exciting idea for me and for the the type of idea that I, I want to invest in for myself and for the channel and for just, just my time. Um, and, and so I think like, like, I don't want to be beholden to this that, you know, like they'll, they'll probably like, I, I think it's, there's a great argument for making content that, you know, people search for, cause you want to try to build an audience around your, your idea. Like, I think that totally makes a lot of sense. And you know, who, where am I? Like, I'm speaking from this top of the hill with 200 subscribers. Like, yeah. Like most of which are related to me. Right. right? Like, like maybe there's a reason why no one watches any of my stuff, which is cause like, I have it like, cause I don't promote it or make any content. That's like, feels like it's like, Oh, like, like, like that would draw that kind of audience. Um, and, and I, and I have like, like tried to find that balance, right. Of things that I still feel, uh, like have that excitement for me and feel like they are applicable to a broader audience, but really like, like that's like one small part of what I want to do. I, I would ideally like for all of my content and all of these things that I'm doing in my free time, you know, cause I have a job, like, like all this stuff is happening from like between 9 PM and nine and 9 AM, you know, like with all this stuff, like I just, um, you know, it needs to be something that, that inspires me in that way. Um, yeah, yeah, at least that's I, how I think about it now. And I think maybe point to those tutorial videos, like how you organize your life with Notion and how you do your personal finances. Yeah, and I think yeah, press me. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're we'll, right. we'll touch. We'll touch on those maybe down the road in this conversation. But I wanna wanna double click on when you have a project or idea or a decision in front of you, what is the 
like resistance? What is like the force that's fighting against you to quote unquote, go for it? Is it internal? Is it external? How do you think about that kind of concept, if at all? Mm, and, and so it, when you say resistance, do you mean the things that would hold me back from going for a particular idea? Or, or do you mean the things that that thing that the what uh, propels me towards a particular idea? No, I'm thinking mm. of those things that are kind of like the roadblocks that might mm. kind of be in the way on your path. Mm. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, there are many um, times where I get uh, you find in the in the execution of a particular vision, there are things that come up that that get uh, in the way of you even making sort of a an MVP or, or a, a first attempt at, at what that vision is for you. Like for maybe it's a blog post that you're like, oh, you know, I want to do a like a blog post about this thing, and then you start to write it, write about it, and you're like, all right, I actually think that this doesn't feel like like I, I don't like all the the interest that I had in it um, didn't feel uh, backed by. Uh, enough uh, like like motivation or, or maybe a deliberate thinking about what was actually going to occur uh, like when you're doing it. And, and so I think that like, so that, that's on the small scale, like on, on the big scale with like, how is it that you decide to spend the like majority of your creative time? Um, I think that the, the resistance is often like you get uh, like for me, like I often jump, like I find something else that I, that I want to pursue that I, that I, that I jump from and jump to. And, and, and so I think that this is like a, a, uh, a problem because like, obviously you want, uh, all of these things to, to be, uh, you, you want to act, like to execute on some of the, the, the visions that you are inspired by. And, and so for me, finding that balance between having this sort of ideation process and the execution mindset, like, like, I think, uh, that balance is when I still I still have to strike uh, for myself. Um, what I feel like I can control um, is my is the the habits and approach that I have to these ideas. And so I do feel like I I apply um, like while before I felt very in the la la land of what oh what's going to happen what could happen what might happen how cool would that be now I feel like I'm my I feel a little bit more structured in my approach to these topics by uh, what I've learned and, and the prior experiences that make me have a better. A sense for the projects I want to pursue, uh, and also uh, the projects uh, to leave behind. So I, this is meant different. It's meant different things to me at different times. Can we double click on maybe those habits and approach? And I'm thinking taking idea through like that execution process, and then to to publish. What are maybe some of those habits or approaches that you hinted at that you think? kind of stick out to you in your mind? Yeah, like for, for me, I'm a really big uh, routines person and that like I feel really like um, routines give me structure to be able to uh, do or like make steps towards those those visions that I feel sort of inspired by. Um, and so one like one example um, one example of this, like, uh, or thinking about my life here in Germany, like I've done a lot and I feel like maybe this is a COVID thing too. People also have gotten more into their routines cause they're at home a lot. Um, but, but for me, like, like there are many parts of my life here that I've, um, sort of system systematized or made a routine around because I know it's something that I value. And like, like one example of this is like going to the farmer's market every, every Saturday. And, and that's, 
an example of a, a weekly routine. I'll get into sort of the daily routines in a second, but that's a weekly routine that I've, I've really loved. And I actually feel like has really brought me, um, made me feel more connected to this place that I am. Cause right outside my door, there's this, there's this market with everyone speaking German and buying things in German. And it's been my, like my, my, one vision of being here has been to, to be feel incorporated and like I can't exist here without feeling like an absolute outsider, which I still currently do and would probably take a very long time. But regardless, like having this, this, this habit of checking in with this farmer's market. Now I, I could tell you the names of all the people that I'm buying my, my like veggies from. And like, I could tell you that like, I learned, like, I, I learned these words for, for the names of the countries. Cause that's where the cheese comes from. And like the name of the, I get juice every uh, tie back in the juice. I get fresh squeezed juice every, every Sunday. And it's a, a an amazing thing. I, I said, um, uh, like I, I was trying to say, uh, how are you doing? Or um, like, we uh, dear is how you would say, how are you doing? But I actually said, which means, where do you come from? Uh, which is a much more attacking question. That, really, that really different. That, that when you're buying juices, so on, like, uh, I think it was probably crosses the boundaries of acceptability, I'd say. But it was very, it was very funny that I said this to the juice lady the other the other day. And, and I, I, I think that this habit of going to the farmer's market has been one that's allowed me to integrate more into, into, into life here. Um, when I think about the daily routines, like there are many things that, that I know that I need to practice every day if I actually want to make any um, improvement upon. Like, and one of those is learning German. That's been one thing. There's there. It's hard when you're here. Uh, it's very easy to get distracted. Even when you're in, you think, all right, once I get to Germany, I'll be learning German. No problem. Which is true. I do learn German in a lot of different ways. But really, what it it has required of me of in the past month is only when I've started to get really good about it. Is this this routine of of basically turning like ritualizing my apartment. And and so what this has meant for me is like I have a big chair over here that's like a big comfy chair that I got on Craigslist and. This chair is my German chair. When I'm sitting in it, I am learning German. And so for me, obviously there's some other times I sit in the chair, but, but in the morning, when the morning is concerned, that is my German chair. And I have my German book right next to the chair. And so now that I have this, this process for me, whenever I wake up, the first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get that fruit, fresh squeezed juice that I got from the farmer's market and I'm gonna drink it on the chair as I'm learning German. And, and that sort of is how I, I start um, that's the first thing like that leads to the next, next task. Like uh, the reading that I've done on habits, like informs how I do this, like linking, ta- like linking habits together, I think is a good way to uh, ritualize you're actually doing them. And so like, like the next thing I do is I do, um, uh, yoga, a yoga practice. Um, and I just started doing yoga before I was doing work, working out. Cause I feel like in college, you're all obsessed with working out. And then when you graduate, you're like, yeah, yeah. I want to get so big, big muscles. Right. That's what everything's all about. But no, but then like you graduate and you're like, Whoa, there's this like holistic health thing out there. Like, Whoa, what's that about? And so like that, I've started to do more yoga in the morning. Cause that more aligns with how I'm feeling about every everything now so the yoga and then boom when you finish the yoga meditation like and then i have the headspace for that the yoga i do yoga glow if anyone's ever heard of that but um which i which i've I've liked and then boom next thing fruit or not fruit but uh smoothie like protein smoothie and so like giving myself these like every like I, i literally do it like every day and and these help me uh like sort of ingrain these habits into my life and like fruit smoothie you're asking me about it earlier it's it's like 
um, you know, it's banana, it's protein powder, it's flaxseed, chia seed, spinach, like, like, you know, all this, uh, all this stuff in there. I don't think it's particularly too, uh, too exciting what happens in that smoothie. But after that, then I shower and then I go to work. And when I go to work in the middle of the day, every single day, I, I run at lunchtime. And that's been something that a habit that that's really helped me feel like I divide my day into, into, uh, like, uh, into two chunks. And, and that's been a helpful thing for me when, when you're working, like for, from your perspective, right? Like you're about going to graduate and you're like work, like, I don't really know what it's going to be like, but I just want to get a good job. And, you know, when you get a job, you'll find that like, like, you know, you have this big, this big chunk of time where you're at work and you're wearing the clothes that you wear to work. And it feels like a long, it feels like a long time. And it's not based on your schedule. It's not like you're going to Widener and sitting down and doing it. It's like this time that you're supposed to, you're sort of supposed to be there. And, and for me, I, I know in some people's environments, they I feel like they probably maybe can't do this, but for me, um, being able to run in the middle of the day, like gives that, um, gives that division between the, uh, the morning and the afternoon, which has helped me felt, feel more uh, energetic in the afternoon. Um, and so, yeah. And then when I come back at night, I think just having a, like having the book beside my bed has been a good way, like now to sort of ingrain, or, or as I said, ritualizing space. Like, like when I get into bed at the end, I usually work, I usually work pretty late. So I, so I get home, I'm trying to go to sleep. I get in my bed and then I have this book next to my bed. And that's when I'm uh, feel like, like do that, do that reading. And I'm not doing it to hit a page count or anything, but just having it there, it brings me joy. And that's what, what sort of bookends. Ha 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 ha. That's what bookends the day for me. Well, thank you for giving me the rundown. I feel like and I just totally, I no, just went off on that. That question. was awesome. And, ex- and honestly, like answered a lot of questions that I, a lot of follow-up questions that I would have had. So <laughs> I think a few things I want to underscore and from a bird's eye view, it's like, you're trying to like set yourself up for success. There's enough things that are going to get in the way of your life and you see that coming. So you're going to set up your environment for success. And so I have a, a quote on the, the whiteboard that my, my roommate wrote. It's like, it's treat your future self. So you're treating your future self by setting up your environment in a way that's going to make it easy for you to tackle the things that you want to tackle. And so the psych person in me loves the ritualizing the space because I found that really resonates with me is, okay, my bed is for sleeping or it's for meditation, you know, no, no reading, no work. So I think I'd love to better understand your morning practice because I've found sometimes mine like at different points in my life would be like so long and I felt like I had to do it and my day wouldn't be, I wouldn't have a good day if I don't check off all these things on my, on my morning routine. And do you feel a similar way? How do you think about like being flexible with it? And then I'd also just a simple question, like how long does it take you to go through from your German in your chair through yoga all the way to your shower and getting off to work. Uh, yes. So that usually, it usually takes me about, I'd say a little over an hour. Like usually it's like, takes about in like an, an hour ish to do. I'm trying to think, cause I actually, all those things, many of them have like the yoga is usually for 20 minutes. The, the meditation is, is about for 10 minutes. Um, 
And so it, maybe it like a little, maybe a little bit shorter than an hour now that I think about it. Cause the German lesson also isn't too long as well. It's about 15 minutes. Um, and I do think like I've gone through, I think many different iterations of giving myself um, sort of check, like a checkbox that I need to go through every day. And I felt that feeling of when you're not like, when you sort of lose, when you lose one of these habits and then you're sort of feeling bad about yourself or self-justifying about why, why it actually, it, why it actually doesn't uh, matter that much or, or why uh, you don't actually, you don't actually care about doing that thing and then picking a new, a new goal. Cause it's, it's a tough balance, right? Like how much of it is you talking yourself out of it? Like you should actually just become more motivated or how much is it actually like not the right goal for you. And something that's like helped, helped me in that is that like, I, I used to do a thing where I was, I was tracking, um, like I was tracking everything on an Excel sheet. And at the end of the day I, in London is when I did this primarily, I, I would just like always like I had to check by like a one and zero for doing, doing something or not doing something. And I felt that like now how my process differs is that I do like a monthly recap where I look back at my habit, like the habits of the prior month. And I go through, like, you can go through, like, it's my class history for the yoga, the, um, the, then the German book. I just write the date of the, the, um, the class that I, that I do on the top of the, on the top of the page. And then with the, the headspace, it also has a class history. And, and I look back at, at a month, like on a more uh, holistic uh, sort of monthly, monthly uh, cadence. And I look back and I say, oh, how did, how did these go? Where there's some of them that I wasn't motivated, that I wasn't motivated enough to do. And if I wasn't motivated enough to do them, is it something that I want to still sort of give myself that pressure to do in the future? Or is it something that I that I want to sort of leave behind. And so I've actually done a few times where I've changed uh, one habit for like for another. And I picked ones because if it's not something that you're intrinsically motivated enough to do, like German is a good example. Like I was, I was not practicing German as much as I wanted to at all. And, but as I look back at the like month after month, I was like, wow, like this is still something I really want to invest in for myself and I need to. Um, so I'm going to keep this on here because it's something that that uh, I that I want to improve, but there are other things that that um, you know, like like something like cold showers. Like, oh my god, all these product, everyone productivity people have like tried cold I showers. Do, so do you you do the cold showers? Yeah, like I'd started with the cold showers, and then I was just like. I don't like this. Like, <laughs> like, this is not something I want to do. And that's the point, right? Like, yeah, keep yourself adversity so you could like fight through everything or like health benefits. Like, I don't like, I think that your, your, your productive attention, you, you got to focus on things that you like really resonate with. And that, that wasn't one that, that has resonated with me yet. Maybe you can convince me, but, um, but for me, like these other things are, are, things that have uh, been uh, been able, I've been able to motivate myself around. And I could see like you, it just being different for every person, what they feel that motivation around on a monthly sort of uh, cadence. And it is not my job to convince you to take cold showers, <laughs> but I do want to hear what are maybe some that you've substituted out and ones that you've substituted in. Because I think you mentioned like, there's plenty of people putting content out there. Oh, you should do this. The perfect morning routine. And there is, there's no such thing. So does anything come to mind as something that you thought would been, of course, I need to have this in my morning routine. Tim Ferriss tells me so. And then you're maybe like, okay, it doesn't work for me. Hmm. I think it's more so that there, there's like certain things that uh, you know that you want to have as a part of your life. Um, but you're not sure whether you should actually inc incorporate them as a part of a routine. Like you may know that you want to, 
you may know that you want to run, but it's maybe not the best for you to just tell yourself every morning, I like every morning I run, or you may know that you want to like reflect and have like a daily, like journaling. Um, but it may not be right for you to journal every, like journal every day. So I would, I actually, I put a distinction between, you know, things that like you want to be part of your morning rituals, things that maybe you would for, like, you would forget otherwise, or, or things that you really need that special attention over. And then things that, um, are just going to be sort of a part of your life anyway. And you don't need to, um, really, uh, things that you don't need to give yourself that extra pressure to do. And so like, for me, like one thing I substituted out, like this, you know, asking yourself questions in the, in the morning, like having these questions in gratitude journal. I know Ali Abdal talks about that. Like I know John Fish has his, his daily thing that he does also like throwback to one of your other episodes, which is awesome by the way. And, and he like these rituals and, and these things, like, uh, for me, I, I, I have ways of reflecting and ways of, of, of approaching these topics that I don't need to formalize in that sort of uh, daily ritual. Um, and so I, I think that over time, as you sort of try and experiment with these things, you, you also learn things that you want to uh, give yourself that structure around and also things that, that you just don't want to worry about that, you, that will be a part of your life and you shouldn't, um, yeah, you shouldn't worry about too much. Yeah. And I think for the longest time for me, it was like, okay, I need to wake up and do 20 minutes of mindfulness meditation. And then I just felt like other things, it's like, no, I'm really productive in the morning. I'm dialed. I just kind of want to get going with mm -hmm. my day. And I know that when I hit a lull later in the day before dinner, that's going to be the time where, all right, let's reset and dial in on like a mindfulness. So that's like a great example. I didn't mm -hmm. even think of it like that. Like I kind of took that out of my morning routine because it's more something, a part of my life that I don't need to ritualize. So Thank you for helping me wrap my head around around that. Um, but I think I want to also talk about beyond just these routines. I know I mentioned the the notion to organize your life and Google Sheets to track your personal finance. And okay, so personally, I'll be a transitioning college student into the quote unquote real world. So if there's any other, any other tactics you use, maybe a little behind the scenes, hasn't made it onto the YouTube page that kind of help you keep your life in order? Yeah, I think the biggest question is, um, there's all these, um, well, I was going to say the, the biggest question is like, how can you establish a healthy routine in your working life? And that's a question that's going to differ greatly uh, from when you're uh, a student and working all day, just like the structure of your life, your uh, like the obligations, the type of work you're going to be doing um, is going to differ. And so like, I'd say like the, the most important thing is to know what, what's going to be that healthy life for you. Like I, I talk about all these, all these things and, and um, it may seem like, like from what I've described, it may seem that I'm like intense about these things. Um, but I, I think like, like prioritizing sleep has been also one thing that's, that's, um, been really uh, an important thing for me here, like finding a, a daily rhythm that I'm really happy with. And I think like the most important thing is for when you have that rhythm or um, when you know what your what that life is going to be like for you to, to find the, 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 um, I don't know, the, the, the rituals, but also the, um, 
just the activities that are going to help you feel energized and positive about your day. Because like it, at school time, it oftentimes feels like a sprint. Like it feels like you're like have this deadline that you're pushing for and it's the last minute and you just have to get it done and you can sacrifice your health uh, while you're pushing to that goal. Like you'll do the all nighter. You'll not exercise. You'll not like do meditation or yoga. Like you'll, you'll not do all these things because there's a, an outcome that you need to deliver on. Um, but I think that the shift or the thing that changes uh, when you approach or, or start with your your job is that like, like there's always these things that can, like you can always do more. There's always these things you can do in your professional environment to, to um, uh, step up the bar and be on top of it, whether it's pre preparing for meetings that are going to be the next day, or whether it's, you know, preparing the an initiative, like that you want to, that you want to propose at the next um, meeting with your team or whatever, like, like all these things, um, they can take all of your time. And it's going to be the most important thing when you start your, your, your job to like understand the rhythm where you can be happy, healthy, and that will also lead you to ha have the best sort of outcomes in your, in your work environment as well. At least I would hope I I'm only just getting started myself, but, but, but finding, it took me a while to find what that healthy, happy, like happy sort of routine for me is. Um, and at times it hasn't felt so happy, you know, <laughs> like it's, that's part of transitioning to a job, transitioning to a new country. Like that's part of all that. But um, that, that routine is the first question. The, the second part is these sort of life logistics that you've never had to think about before. Like for me, there's two big things. One is like food. Like maybe this is, maybe this is like, you always think about it when you're, you know, when you're uh, on the summers, obviously, but when you, when you eat, eat your uh, meals at the dining hall every day, like, like I did, you don't often think about like, like a, like, like where, like where you're buying your food, like how much it all costs, what's the type of food that you want to get. Like, like it, food, like spent so much less of a, like played so much of a part, less of a part in my, uh, in my like decision process. And then when you go to the real world, oh, you know, like you have to think about what you eat and making sure you have, you're having healthy food and like, oh, what's, what are the types of food businesses that I want to support? You know, like, do I want to support my local restaurants? Do I want to support like, yeah, like making those decisions for me, the farmer's market is a big part of that. And like, then there's also these questions uh, around other life logistics, like, like healthcare, like, taxes, like how you're going to manage your first page, your first like ongoing paychecks, like over the, over the summer. Um, and, and these are all things that people I think get, uh, have to like get exposed to and worry about to varying degrees over the course of their college life. And many people, these are all things that they would have a huge handle over, uh, even in the, during their college life. But for me, there are things I didn't think about. Um, I didn't think about too much cause I had, um, you know, I, I had uh, supportive people around me to be able to walk through these things, but it feels like you, you confront them for the first time. And there are a lot of these just life boxes that you need to check and, and having a control over your financial like situation, like understanding, oh, wow, like, like, um, you know, these are my bank accounts, like Google Sheets has been really helpful for me. And I have a video where I talk about my system, like, like the Google Sheets has been a really good way for me to sort of track and understand my, my spending and my investing um, and then also like things like taxes and like things like healthcare, like that stuff, I still don't have a control over, like, to be honest with you, like, like all those things are things I've, I've done research about and created notion pages about. And, and they're things that I, I need to, to um, get a better handle over myself, but there are things that if you're not confronting them yet, I would say, God bless you. Don't, don't think about like, don't think about it until you have to, but when you do have to think about it, make sure you're on top of it because that stuff matters too. Well, thank you for that advice. And I think to be honest, like I will reference, even I have 
my my notion page and i kind of liked your aesthetic on your youtube video and then i have not had to think about tracking personal finances i'm like well as kind of like the organized person that i am this really resonates with me so i think putting those out there i know you might you mentioned like those aren't the things that you want to be putting out in the world for the rest of your life but i can tell you i have already benefited benefited from them and so so thank you for putting them out there in the world wow wow well maybe i should be making more videos like that like that's i gotta i gotta yeah i know there's there's a balance right between between those two these those two sides to it yeah and i think maybe something that like an elephant in the room that we haven't talked about is the fact that you're across the globe in berlin germany not the traditional city that every Harvard student flocks to after graduating. So I'd love to ask, like, how did you end up in Berlin? Yeah, like, um, so really for me, like, I think my my interest in um, like in travel and, and other, um, you know, like really using the, the Harvard experience to become a more global person. Like, I, I think that that's where it sort of all started. Like, like for me, like growing up, it, growing up in uh, like Portland, Oregon, like I, I knew very few people from other parts of the world other than Canada, where I, my, some of my family's from Canada. I hear by your accent, you're may, uh, you maybe have a little, I don't know if you have a little. No, I'm from around here. Some. I'm around here, oh. but I have heard, <laughs> I have heard that I do pronounce about like a Canadian. So maybe oh, you're hearing okay. it, hearing it oh, there. Oh, big disappointment. No, I, um, no, but anyways, uh, I, I don't mean to say I, uh, but anyways, regardless, I have some Canadian family. Um, and my, my, my major point was that moving, like coming to Harvard, like one of the aw- most awesome things is that you have roommates and people around you that are from different parts of the world. And that's like, just yeah, for me, like one of my, one of my roommates was from Austria. Another one was from Kenya. Like, I, like, just meeting, getting to meet people from different countries is just one of the most awesome things. And one of the most awesome parts of the, like the, of the Harvard experience. And for me, like, as I think about my like life and, and the person that I want to be, like, it's, it's very like inspirational to me, like the idea of, of moving and being an international person myself, like not having it, uh, like having experiences around the globe, such that like those perspectives, I, I understand more where they're coming from. I also, um, I, I also bring that to the table myself as someone who's who's lived in these other cultures and and sort of seen these differences that we, we would take for granted just uh, growing up in one sort of singular context. And so, like for me, like I was really important for me after my freshman year, um, as I mentioned, to go to to go to Peru. And that was a that was an experience for me. Like uh, it was the Weissman International Internship uh, Grant that that allowed me to do that, uh, which I'm still grateful for. And like was a was like a really um, was a uh, you know it was it was at times a lonely experience, but it was it was also my first international experience that um, that that showed me the value that uh, an experience like that could bring. Like my next thing I did, like I was studying abroad, and that decision is not one that many Harvard students do. Like like you know I hear the ideology a lot. It's like my years on campus are so valuable. Um, why would I? Um, why would I as, quote give up one of them such that I can I would study at a different school in a different part of the world, and that's the ideology you hear, and it's the ideology that like when I ask uh, you know I asked I asked myself too when I was making that decision, but it was really important for me to like like I was like I've never spent a significant amount of time in Europe, and I really want to use the study abroad experience um, to 
to to live to live there and and be uh, and be a, a trial European uh, for a uh, to give that to give that a little a little phrase because I wouldn't call myself the most integrated of, of people to do that experience probably. But anyways, so you're studying abroad in London, and then at that point, like you're lonely again, and you're out there, you're like, God, why did I do this? But you're also like, Whoa, this is so cool. There are so many people that I wouldn't have met otherwise. And then after I um, then after like graduation, that was the next question I asked myself. I was like, you know, do I want to have an experience? Um, in the States, do I want to go, like, do I want to try to find a job in San Francisco or, or in New York? And, and for me, like it was, um, I had an internship the prior summer where I could have gone, could have gone back to New York. Um, and I, I knew what that experience is, that experience was like, because I'd done it the two summers prior. And I, I knew that like that experience is so fun, like being with your friends, living in New York, like that is such a great thing. And like for me, I know that that like that may be a part of my future. Like like I, I would really want to go back to New York and and um, but but regardless, like I when I was asking myself as a senior, I was like I want to be in a different part of the world. Like I want to do this again because I know the the value and the um, the types of experiences and the, the the ways that I've grown from these experiences before. And so I went through all my job criteria. I was looking for you know like like what are jobs that sort of suit my my other interests that are in different parts of the world. Um, and so like you know literally I'm searching like tech jobs in Australia. Like you know I'm like like you know European startups. Like like so there I was like googling like you know googling these things, messaging people on LinkedIn. Um, and I actually found the company, um, like Choco that I'm working at, I found them at a Harvard career fair. So they were actually there and they were one of the only, um, tech startups that were, that were, um, that were there, but also, uh, had a, a international headquarters. And so I feel really grateful that, that they were there and I, I got sort of exposed to that, to that experience. And again, I find myself, I'm like, wow, like all my friends are, are in these other places that are sound lot like a lot of fun to me but um and i but i'm out here and so like that experience is enough is it's, it's another time in my life where i've sort of ex prioritized that type of experience and it's one that i'm still sorting out you know like i want to do my next a next video or a future one that's about um that's about what coming here feels like and what it's and what it's meant to me um but it's a process that i'm still very much uh or conclusion that i'm still very much coming to because all those feelings before I said of loneliness and feeling like you're just starting off a lot of these relationships, you're getting to know people for the first time. Like that is definitely a part of the experience, especially in a time that's so isolated, right? I can't even go to bars. I can't like, like all these things, right? Like, and of course I understand why. And of course, but I think that like of a time to be in a new place, this is a difficult one. Um, but it's one that I still remain hopeful about and one I still remain appreciative of and one that I hope that others will feel, give themselves the permission to do themselves. That's awesome. And I'm glad we kind of addressed that and how you, how you thought about it. Like it was a priority to be in a new place. So like throw everything else to the wayside, like, Hey, you're not going to be in the States. And then I'm, it sounds like you also had other criteria for the things that you wanted to wanted to be doing. So like, it sounds, it sounds great, but I can only imagine how hectic and crazy that process was in the moment trying to like, you have this vision of being abroad, but you're not really sure what that looks like. So I guess, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad that you shared that. And then it's also inspiring. Like, Hey, if I also have, a vision that might not be on the traditional path, like now's the time to go for it. 
So that's um, pretty cool to hear. Like I can already, I can already imagine. I like, like as I've made more videos, I've thought about like, like the Goodbye Harvard video. I my favorite shot that I did in that is the 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 one the sitting on the bench shot where where the the Charles in front. It's in the night. Like like, and I think about like it's it's interesting how making videos has made me think about different shots or, or images to uh, to represent different like life transitions or, or, or stages. And and the one for me that I, I have in the back of my mind that I that I. Uh, uh, <laughs> that I'm just, I don't know if it's going to happen. Um, but I just think about this, the, the Frank Sinatra, like maybe you can cue the music and post, you know, yeah. like dun, dun, na, 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 start spreading the news. And so I'm imagining there's going to be a day when I come back and enjoy the, and, and, and see my friends again. And, and I see this, uh, time as sort of a period in my life that I think I will come back to the United States at some point, but it's, it's, these decisions also for me, like it doesn't feel final. Like you move here and it's like, you know, if things went wrong, I could just go back home. And, and that's a, 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 you know, a wonderful thing to come from the U S and for me to have my, like the, all the experiences I have back there to be able to, to fall back on. And so all these decisions, um, as much as I try to, I hype them up. I also keep them realistic in that like things can change and your life can uh, like feel very different two months uh, from each other based on uh, what are the circumstances and being able to come back home is also something that that really makes me sort of feel so uh, comfortable doing this as well. And so you mentioned your YouTube channel now, and you're also working a full-time job, you said. So how does YouTube fit into your life now? And then maybe do you have like a vision for the channel going forward? Because I can only imagine that would be very easy to push off of the to-do list. No, I'm tired. I've worked all day. What keeps you, what keeps you going? What is the vision? <laughs> you're, I mean, you're totally right to, to point that out. Right. Cause it's tough. Like, like really, like I, like you come back, you come back from work. It's like, I don't know, it's like 9 PM or something. And you're like, you're like, all right. Like, I could go to sleep right now. Like that sounds, that sounds pretty good, but you're like, Oh gosh, like, but I know I like video making. I know I want to do just like a little bit. Cause I know if I just do a little bit, I'll feel like I'm, I'm, I'm building this, this, this thing that I also care about. And, and part of the freedom of, of doing these projects while having a, another full-time uh, like a, a job is that like, like I have complete, like, I have complete freedom in, in those videos. Like I don't like, I don't depend on them for, for any sort of income. I don't like, it's just a big sinkhole of my money and time. <laughs> like it's just, I just like, but it's fine because I also get paid to do something else. Like, like, and so, so part of the, so, so I don't want to like, feel like I'm over romanticizing like this, the, the YouTube passion as one that I like, like all I've ever wanted is to be a YouTuber and I'm just waiting to make that leap. Like, no, like I actually, I actually love my job. And like, I, I like the things that I'm doing at work are like, I think are great and are associated with other, like uh, a mission and um, skills that I really want to develop. But the, the YouTube um, it's still, it still stays in the back of my mind. It's, it's, it's important for me to have this, this hobby and, and have it, really play counter to all the things that I think about at work because thinking about the hobbies, um, you know, it really does, it gives me life and it gives me sort of excitement in my days because like, like sometimes, um, you know, like, uh, all your principles, like all the principles and how you approach your work are oftentimes associated around certain metrics that you're really trying to drive for your business and your company. And, and it feels great to have a, another set of, 
a set of uh, uh, things to focus are another arena for myself where my metrics are far, my metrics are far different. My metrics is like, am I, do I watch it and say, wow, like, I'm glad I did that. Like, or, or my, like these metrics are, are ones that I create and ones that I can, um, that are, are totally just for fun, you know? And, and while I say that while wanting to approach it with a sort of consistency and a standards, you know, like I want, like, it's not just, it's not just for fun, but it's fun. And so I, um, so that tension is hard to do. And like, it's hard to really describe what that feels like to like have this thing that you, that you, um, this hobby that you need to balance with your work. Like that's a difficult balance. And I know a lot of people that are working longer than I like, like find ways to better sort of integrate that. Um, and, and as you look at my channel, like I really can dedicate, like it's the weekends that I can really dedicate to doing, to doing this now. Um, and so it's, a, it's a difficult balance. Um, yeah, but it's, but it's one that I would recommend to anyone having those passions outside of work is, is, is so important. And it, I think it makes you a better, um, it met it better in your work as well as, as outside of it. So I, I really do see it as a win-win. And that totally resonates with me in that I love these conversations. I love prepping the conversations. I love in the moment, I love listening back to them and reflecting on them, but it's, it's more than that. It's like, no, I want these to be like a polished finished project. And there's days where I'll be like spending time editing or whatever, making the posts. It's like, you just trying to be perfect around it. And so there is a tension there. It's like, well, I'm doing this for myself, but also I want it to have like a listenership, but I don't really, I'm not passionate about trying to spread the message and trying to market it. But I also want more people to listen to it. So it is like a weird tension. So I'd, I'd love to hear how you try and navigate that. Do you explicitly have internal metrics? Like I enjoy how this final product is and that is enough. Like, how do you think about that? Because like I've said in episodes before, this is a completely selfish project. I want to learn for myself. Like I'm asking this selfishly, like what would you recommend for somebody trying to like navigate that? Yeah. Like it's that dynamic that you said, I, I totally feel as well because you're both um, like giving yourself metrics feels too, too formal. Um, right. But also like, but also, but then, but then how do you, how do you motivate yourself and also give yourself structure to how you're pursuing something that you really care about, about uh, being better at. And, and the hesitation that you said with, with sharing your, um, with sharing your, your work, um, is one that I feel as well. Like I making the, the Instagram or the Facebook, uh, post about the content is something that I uh, continue to feel hesitation around, yes. which is so funny because like, I'm a marketer, like it's what I do <laughs> right? all day. Like it's my thing. Like, 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 that's what I do. But, but the thing is that like, like it's still, I feel that hesitation around it because like, you know, you put so much into creating the content. You really want the content to do the the speaking for itself, and you want people to like really resonate with what you're doing and have that be it. But so much of right, like so much of I think actually great gaining a followership is being real with yourself that you want people to follow. Sorry, my I uh, have a bit of smoothie stuck in my throat. Uh, uh, I sort of, uh, I lost, I lost that smoothie derailed, derailed me from that one. So sorry, I lost my train of thought. No, you're good because I think there is just 
this idea that like you need to market it for people to to view it and but there's like a tension there you just that is not what is enjoyable right yeah like like the part like there's some people that you know i think people always say just that's just something that's part of the part of having your work be seen is is getting through that uncomfortable uh, state of sharing it and if you look at my like my, like my work is, is not very seen. <laughs> like, like, you know, people don't like, people don't really go to my, like I very few, like very few uh, uh, views and subscribers. And maybe that's a bit harsh. Cause I think like, if you're really starting, like you really do have zero, like you have zero and, and, and 10 people who watch it. And I feel like I'm really lucky and I'm fortunate. Like I have like, you know, I'll do something and, and maybe a hundred people will watch it. And I, I don't want to be removed from that as a, a, I do feel like that to be a, a motivating thing for me. I think like a hundred people watch this, like this, that's like awesome. And, and like, we're used to thinking that all the, with virality, all these scale, like we're used to thinking in all these different scales that can help you feel like you're, even I said it before, like no one sees my work, but I, I what I, I don't mean to say that, that actually no one, like actually no one does. And, and I, I mean to say that it's, it's a very curated uh, close circle around me that, that know about me and, and know about my, my passion here that, that, that see it. And I balance the, the, you know, part of being seen by an audience that is greater than that, you know, if your goals are to be seen beyond that, then you have all these strategies to like, then there are all these things you can do to do that, which I think posting is one of them, but uh, posting on all your or channels is one of them. And so I think it's something that like, I feel like there's a secret, there's like a secret allegiance in the creator community where it's like, I know that if you are like, I know that if I really resonate with the content that you're making, that if you do a post about, like, if you do a post about it and I like, I, I see that. And I don't think like, I know that I'm like, I know you care about the, like, I know you care about the content. I know you, you don't care about the, like, you know, the, the, how you phrase the post, Hey, excited to announce that this thing came out. Like, like, you know, like all that stuff. I just, I, I know matters so, so much less than the content itself. And I know when I see it around me that, that I just, I think that if you're starting to create, you, you should know that, that that's something we all feel and something that I haven't found the answer to. And we probably never will. So, yeah. No, that makes me feel a lot better. And I'm in a similar position with the podcast, friends, family, people who know my guests, people who know me, they're the ones listening to my projects, right? So there's this tension. It's like, do I want to continue doing this? Is it, is it worth it? Whatever. And then I go back to like, yes, because I enjoy it. Like that is why I started this. Like, to have mm-hmm. these conversations, right? But like mm-hmm. that, there's that that thing in the back of your head, like, wouldn't it be cool if more people watched or more people listened? So I think just kind of what it sounds like f- from your perspective is just taking a step back and like recognizing that that is like a normal feeling. And like, yes, there are strategies to work towards that. But I think the bigger lesson that I'm taking away is like, all right, take a step back. It's normal. Gain some, gain some perspective. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Like, um, I also think that the vi- like, it's also to just not feel like your vision of wanting it to be seen by more people is a bad, is like a bad or a internally, like, like a, a malicious one. Like, like you're making great, like I've watched your, your episodes and like the one with Molly, I love the one with John fish. I love like, like, more people seeing your content is not something to be uh, ashamed of. It's something to be really proud of. And so like, I think that that keep remembering that as well, that, that the thing you're sharing 
um, if you really stand by that, then that uh, can help you or it can help you approach that, that sort of gap. And I think that it being seen by more people is also the types of experiences that you can have as a, a podcast host are totally widened by that, you know, and, and something I'm inspired by with the YouTube, like, I think it'd be awesome. You know, if there were people who watched my videos in Germany, it would be so cool to meet other creators and people that are interested in the similar ideas um, in, in Germany, um, you know, like, and so that's a vision that like, like, or wherever in the world, you know, that would be an amazing uh, that would be an amazing outcome. And so just knowing that like, like these, while it is, while it is selfish, as you, as you said, like there are, um, it, it's also something that you can be okay striving for and that you shouldn't feel ashamed wanting. Well, thank you for your kind words and right back at you because your videos are so intentional and there's a message and there's a passion behind them. And there is value to be had for the viewer. So thank you. And I think as I start to think about maybe taking this, this conversation to a close, one of my favorite rapid fire questions is books that you have gifted to friends. But I'd love to start with a YouTube video that you have on Walden. I imagine that would be one of your recommended readings if I had to take a guess. And I think one idea in your YouTube video that resonated with me was the idea that like things are a burden to freedom. Do I have that right? Uh, yeah, more so like I, I guess I would, I would phrase it as in like, like material things uh, matter like far less than, uh, than experiences. And there can be times where the priorities around that division um, is skewed by social expectation. So what materially have you maybe cut out of your own life to live more in accord with that message? If, if at all, that's a lofty, this is the ideal and then you're striving towards that. But is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah, no, they, so there, there are a few things, um, which I, I think all of these things, like you, you need to understand that it, depending on different people's circumstances, like these things are varying levels of necessity versus non versus non necessity. And, and, and for me, like, so one thing that, and I, my opinions may change, but like one thing that I, uh, yeah, like being here, like I love having a bike, like living in Berlin, having a bike is almost a necessity. Um, but there's this question about like, do you want to like buy a bike? Do you want to have like a, a good, like a, a proper bike that is sleek and clean and vintage colored and has a nice basket on the back. And like, you look like, it's almost like a horse. You're, you're right. I mentioned that because someone else, someone at work literally said a bike is like a horse. Do you want a bike that's, that's like a horse or do you want a bike that's just like, will get you from where, from where you need to go to where you're trying to go or to get you from where you're leaving from to where you're trying to go. And so my philosophy has just been to find the, the, the cheapest, most rundown um, mode of transportation I could. And it's, and it's one that I, I, I take, uh, that I take pride in because I feel um, like, like every time I do it, I, I actually very much enjoy this bad bike and I like the way it squeaks. And I like the way like, I like the way that I have this little like like a uh, reflective tape that sort of hangs off the back because it's not set on properly. And it's something that like 
I could go out and be like, God, this bike sucks. Maybe one day if I save enough, I'll get a better bike. But it's something that I actually find enjoyment and, and appreciation for, uh, which is in part inspired by this, this recent, uh, you know, this recent deep dive into throw. And that goes to the idea. Another one that stuck out to me in the Walden videos was live deliberately and simply. So I'd be curious to hear what domains are priorities in your own life. You mentioned in the video experiences and knowledge. Can you maybe expand on that? Because that was just like kind of a one line. I was like, oh no, there's there's something there. Like you, you've thought about this. <laughs> there's some more I could talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. Like, so I think some, some easy ones or quick ones that come to mind is like, like thinking about, um, how you're the food, thinking about the food that you're eating. Um, now for me, like, like one thing, like, like going to the farmer's market has been something that I've really um, enjoyed about being here. And I mentioned that before and, and why I like it, um, it sort of ties into a different habit where I, I've like, will cook or batch cook things on Sunday for the week ahead of me. And I found that the, um, the sort of decision and like the decision, uh, anxiety every day about what, like what I'm going to eat, it, it tended towards me eating things that were, um, like more, like more fast food style, more, um, Subway. Like, yeah, yeah, more more, more subway, more less fill from the farmers market, and and so I I found that that actually by by cooking these uh, ingredients that I I only buy on Saturday, I've taken out some of the sort of decision anxiety that I had sort of throughout the week because I hate buying things. Buying things is such a ugh. Like I just I I don't I feel a lot of hesitation around yes. it myself, and, and so like like doing this has been one thing where I gave myself the permission to get to get better food on on the weekends on this on this Saturday and then prepare it uh, for the week. Um, another thing, like another experience, like, like, like with reading books, like I, that's one thing that I think you could be very, uh, strict with your, uh, like with your, maybe your budget for buy, maybe your budget for buying books. You're like, all right, you're looking at, oh, the Obama recent book. You're like, that's a $50 book. Like, am I really going to like, like spend $50 to hear Obama whisper to my ears, the words and sweet wisdom of leading our country. And, and I think, yes, like that, that is something that I, of course, or like, maybe not, of course, but it was something I thought about for a little bit. And then I was like, no, like, this is a, like, this is knowledge and, and, and an experience that I, that I want to have. And that will make me make myself feel better. So anything related to like, to like learning and, and buying, like, and, and buying books is something that I would urge anyone that feel like um, that, that, that can, that it's within the budget, you know, it should feel comfortable um, doing. And then like, another thing is like, um, like recently I got rollerblades and, and maybe you could see, like, I live a lot, I live many inconsistencies, but you could be like, Ian, like, why would you buy rollerblades if like you already have a bike? Cause isn't a bike sort of like rollerblades, but no, but the reality is that like I bought rollerblades because I live right next to a big park and it used to be an airport and it's huge and wide. And there's this little alley of the park where people are rollerblading and they look like artists out there. They're poetic on their rollerblades. They're like swerving back and forth. They're listening to their electronic music and they're just having a good time. And so I see I saw that experience and I thought about the rollerblades and I was like, OK, if I get these rollerblades, I can be like more adequately a part of that. You know, one thing is be going and sitting next to all the people like drinking beers on the sidelines, like watching other people, but no, I want to be on the, I want to be on the runway. And so the past like three weekend or three like weekend days, I've been out there just like falling left and right, trying to learn this, these rollerblades. And so anyways, the, the rollerblades as a, as a way to access this part of being here in Berlin is something that I, I easily, I easily justify for myself uh, less than maybe a different subscription to like, like I don't know, all the, the, the variety of subscriptions that, that we may want, like, um, 
yeah, like, I don't know, like, a, like Disney plus or like HBO or like, like I, I do, I, I say I'm still a part of my, my family's Netflix account. And cause I love video. Like I feel, I actually do really like my, my Netflix subscription, but I think that there are many subscriptions and, and many other things that you could justify yourself uh, for yourself, but, but uh, that I have talked myself out of because of this philosophy. And to keep thinking about this question on the books, I'd love to hear beyond Walden, do you have one, two, or three that come to mind that you've either gifted to friends and family more than others, or that you that stick out to you as really positively impacting your own life? Yeah, I really, I think the, um, the Austin, Austin Kleon book, uh, uh, steal like an artist, um, is a, uh, is one that's, that's, I've heard, I, I, I imagine maybe viewers have heard about it before, but, but for me it was a, um, I think really captures uh, an ideology that, that resonated with me a lot around, uh, getting over the hurdles of, um, basically a finding creative projects that you, that you like, and you feel, uh, really, um, you know, you really feel yourself in, um, and then also, uh, just getting over that, that barrier to publishing and sharing and, and why it is that you, that you share, even when it feels uncomfortable. So I think the, the steal like an artist, I, I can't go, uh, giving this list without, uh, without saying that, um, another one is like, I really do find, uh, biographies, um, inspiring and and just thinking. I mean, grounding these these concepts that feel larger than life, uh, grounding them in the stories of the people who were at their um, at their foundation is really an inspiring and feels like a meaningful thing for me. And and so like uh, I mean, maybe to say three is too many, but but uh, the first one that comes to mind is is Phil Knight and Shoe Dog. Like uh, yep. like that one is a, is a like for me like uh, given that I wrote my like I wrote my thesis about the history of uh, history of running like he he that story is very intertwined with um like with that um and, and so like hearing phil knight's story and how that ties into a, a global brand that's that's maybe the strongest maybe the strongest brand of 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 our um of our world today like is uh maybe that's a hot, maybe that's a hot take with apple that's the next one that's the next biography i'm gonna say but uh but anyways um like the the shoe dog is is a really fantastic uh, biography um another one um thinking the the steve jobs book uh, by walter isaacson like like that one i really would recommend the audio like listening to the audio book um, for me was, was, um, I really like, uh, listening to it in long, um, like long takes, um, while doing, like we're doing other things like cleaning or running or doing, doing whatever. Like I really found that is a mammoth of a book, but, um, it's, it's one that I've felt inspired by with his, um, ideologies of like around creativity. And, and also like you, you learn also that the negative characteristics or these, these otherwise um, like ones that you, you wouldn't want to, to emulate in your own founder story, perhaps. Um, I think that there's uh, a last one, like thinking about the uh, speaking, speaking of, of, of a mixed bag of, of, uh, of, bi of biography, uh, like looking into also the Elon Musk and the Tesla, uh, the Tesla uh, biography um, by Ashley Vance, or uh, I believe it is uh, that, that biography as well. Um, looking at, at someone who's made such uh an, an impact in both sustainable, like sustainable, um, like a clean energy for our world on impossible horizons. Um, but also, um, well, it has some personal, uh, personal views that I, uh, <laughs> that I might disagree with on, 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 on a few topics there, but, um, like understanding like his story and what it took to really create, um, Tesla and SpaceX is a, uh, is also an inspiring one for me. So, that, so that was, yeah. So those are the three, uh, three biographies that I found, um, really quite, um, 
and inspiring as well. Those are awesome. I've, I think I listened to shoe dog on audio. Um, but yeah, the mammoth of the Walter Isaacson books are a little intimidating, but maybe the, the audio book is, is the, is the path to tackle those. So thank you for those recommendations. And maybe to wrap up, we've covered a ton in the past, gosh, well over an hour, almost hour and a half now. I'd love to hear like when you think of the word successful, who or what comes to mind first? Yeah. Like for me, like I think success, um, I really feel like in the different arenas of my life, there are different people that come to mind as just um, as what I, who I look to and who I uh, take inspiration from. And I think like um, that really starts like at home and with my, with my family, like, like with my mom and dad are both um, like passionate uh, now working in environmental and food related uh, businesses and, and, uh, and nonprofit. My mom works at a nonprofit. And so for, you want to shout those uh, out, shout those out. Uh, yeah, so my mom's working at the Nature Conservancy um, in in, or, in in Oregon, um, and then my dad does a, um, a variety of uh, sort of other uh, ex, uh, uh, projects around around food in um, in Oregon. Um, the L2M Accelerator is what he's currently working on, which is uh, really elevating uh, Pacific Northwest uh, food brands to the to the national scale. Um, and, and so, like seeing their passion for for food and for um, saving uh, and for saving the environment, preserving the environment. Um, with a killer mindset, like that is um, like what I really, uh, what I really take, uh, what I really learn. And I think of success in that realm. Like, I think at school, like you've talked to some of the people like Molly Levins, like, like I would also throw out other ones like, like Stephen Turvin and Luke Haney, like, like these guys, um, like all, I mean, as a group, um, these people are, are ones that really inspired me and continue to inspire me. Like as I make my uh, decisions about what to do. And I think finding those people at school that you really, um, that you really want to learn from is something I, I hope that everyone has a few people that they, they look at in their environment and just think, wow, like that's just so cool what they're doing. And so I, I think that combination, uh, you know, my family and, and, and the people to look up to in an environment, like, like if you haven't heard of those people, you can, you can find a lot of online about them as well. Um, and, and to, for you even to, to interview next, like that would be, uh, I'll have some good, some good directions to, to point you as well. Um, so, so yeah. Well, too kind and awesome answer. And really thank you for being so thoughtful throughout this, this whole conversation. I can tell you think about these things a lot. And I mean, your, your energy is contagious. I've had a stupid smile on my face this whole conversation. So that's all to say. I appreciate you and thank you for making the time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, man. I really appreciate those words. All right, man. Well, we'll be in touch and enjoy the rest of your evening in Berlin, my friend. Thanks, man. Hey, everybody. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that one. As always, you can find links to everything we discussed show notes, and a lot more goodies like my favorite reads on my website at chrismcgrory.net. That's C-H-R-I-S-M-C-G-R-O-R-Y dot net. Thanks so much and see you next time.